Hey everyone, it's Monday, so we've got another episode of the Road to Revenue series. We took over the Breakfast with Champions Millionaire Breakfast Club on Clubhouse for a BYOQ. You bring the questions, I bring the answers coaching session. And we cover creating a strong emotional attachment in sales and how do we make money from the referrals that we give? Tweet me at David Meltzer, your favorite takeaway from today's episode, and check the show notes to see how you can text me or email me at any time. This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook. Good morning, everyone. We have Friday Trading BYOQ. Welcome. Bring the questions. I'll bring the answers. Uh, don't forget to email me, david at dmeltzer.com, if you want the exercises from today, how to ask the right questions. Uh, great to join you. We're on Clubhouse, IG, and the webinar. Fill up those questions. Here we are on Friday for over 20 years doing free training. You bring the questions. I'll bring the answers. Good morning, everybody. We're doing a multi-simulcast, so this should be fun. We got uh, everybody going. This got uh, started with some questions. I'll start with uh, one right here. How to get more paid speaking gigs? Well, first of all, you got to speak. Uh, the best way to get a speaking gig is to speak. So everywhere you go, you should be looking at schools, chambers of commerce, anything and everything that you can speak and then know your stories and lessons, right? We're going to speak about the lessons that we've learned and the stories that we tell or how we teach those lessons. It's the best speaking advice that I give. My first year speaking, I spoke over 100 dates my first year. And I was just trying to practice my trade, to build my community, to give the exposure that I needed to be a speaker. So many people I coach to be speakers, they think that you know they can just put up a website. You got to create content. You got to capture every speech that you do, modify it, amplify it and perpetuate it. Let it build upon itself. It will double and double compound and accelerate. The greatest way to build your speaking gig is to create that content, to practice that content, to amplify that content. So we are so excited to be here on Friday. We got Two Minute Drills, season two, episode two today on Amazon Prime Video and Bloomberg TV. We are so excited uh, about what's going on. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. Let's take another question as they keep coming in. Pile in your questions on IG, here, online, on Clubhouse. Join me. Is it too late to start a podcast is the next question. Absolutely not. Look, it's not too late to start a career, to start a podcast, to write a book. There is an unfathomable size, scope, and scale of the audience that you have. And people are afraid. Look, my favorite example of this is Orville Redenbacher started his popcorn company at 70 years old, right? And everyone else, by the time they were 30 or 40, thought it was too late to start their business. It is never too late. Start your podcast, find your frequency, build your community. Once again, know your spectrum and you will build that community for whatever that podcast is. Not too late to start a podcast at all. Uh, so we're so, so excited uh, for all the podcasts, all the speaking. It's an abundant universe with more than enough of everything for everyone. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of how much opportunity exists for you and everyone else. Um, so looking to see that 
We are just so, so, so excited. All right, the questions keep on pouring in. If you have questions, it's B-Y-O-Q. You bring the questions, I'll bring the answers. Load them up, all the questions in here, uh, on IG, on uh, the webinar, on Clubhouse. Come join me. We're going simulcast. It's so much fun. All right, the next question. How to stand out in a market with lots of competitors? So if you want to stand out in a market with lots of competitors, um, what you want to do is make yourself equal, then make yourself better. Make yourself equal, then make yourself better. That's the secret to the competition that we have. And here we go. Dave, uh, looking forward to training today. It's the BYOQ. The first question we have is from Zoom. Um, it's from Justin. And it's, how can I do better with this emotional attachment part of selling products? Yeah, so thanks, Justin. So one of the difficulties that people have uh, is they're uh, in love with their product. <laughs> and uh, this is, it, it, you can be in love with what you do, but you can't be in love with your product. When we're in love with our product, that emotional attachment of uh, the product itself is a dangerous position to be in because there's an economic uh, necessity or an, a dis. Uh, association that you need from your product because you need to be objective. You need to be able to articulate the quantitative value of the product, service, or solution you're providing to exceed what you're asking for. And the perceived value of your product, the self-perceived value of your product needs to be in line with what you actually can sell the product for. Uh, see, there's two prices uh, that we always, whether it's a uh, a product, service, or solution that you need to be concerned with. One is perceived value, what you or others think the price should be, uh, the value is, and then, of course, the bottom line. And every business needs to fall within that spectrum between bottom line and perceived value. So many people are challenged with what to price a product at. Uh, they spend millions and millions of dollars trying to do the data research necessary in order to effectuate the right price, the truth is, is that the price falls within the spectrum of perceived value, what you or others think the value is, and the bottom line. And we try to uh, obviously create those margins as great as we can between those two. Too many people change pricing, understand and lose value because they're too afraid to ask for what either others or they think the product is worth. So if you're attached to mostly your product, your perceived value may be too high. So you need to make sure that you're in line with other people's perception or perceived value. And of course, most importantly, which most people don't do, is know your bottom line. So many times people ruin their business because they're in love with their product and they're unrealistic about the value because they have not ascertained others' opinions or perceived value. And most importantly, a bottom line detached completely from the motions of that product. Uh, thank you, Jake. What's the next question? Are we going to bring someone up on Clubhouse? Yes, thank you for that, Dave. We've got our next question here live on Clubhouse. We've got Mike. Mike, if you can unmute yourself and ask your question, that'd be great. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Dave. Jakey Bakey, thank you. Super excited to hear about the event in New York City. Glenn, I can't wait to see you on the East Coast. It's only been on the West Coast that I've had the pleasure of spending time with you. So great stuff. Good morning, Dave. My question is, with regard to people and their businesses, uh, typically we focus on what we're doing right now and what we're doing in the immediate future. 
what's the biggest mistake? I know Sharon Lecter's got a new book out, Exit Rich, but I, I wanted to get your thoughts specifically on the biggest mistake that people make in not preparing for the exit or not preparing for their business five or 10 years from now because they get caught up so much in looking at what they're doing right at the moment and how can they avoid that mistake? Well, I think you need to look at two things. You know, are, are you trading time for money? If you're trading time for money, that's not gonna create an exit for you. If you're utilizing that money in order to create an annuity or an exit that may be within the context of your business or another business or just in some sort of investment, uh, then you're on the right track. And I think the biggest problem people make is they trade time for money. They're tubes, right? They're living day by day, week by week, month to month, just putting food in their mouth and pooping it out. That's literally their existence. And what you want to do is find mentorship, find expertise to help you figure out not just how we are trading time for money, but more importantly, where that money is being reinvested into yourself, into your business, into other people's business, into a savings or an annuity plan that can create an exit for us. Because the idea of the exit is that we can stop trading time for money at one period of our life and or allow even our children not necessarily to stop uh, being able to trade time for money, but to pursue what they want to do, right? I want to make sure that I have enough uh, and give enough to my children that they have the option to do whatever they want to do and still maintain a great quality of life. Not a fantastic quality of life, right? I love the old saying, if any of you have ever heard it before, right? If you uh, don't fly first class, your children will. Um, so uh, make sure that you take care of yourself and uh, make sure that your children are empowered to fly first class on their own someday. Um, but you know this exit idea of trading time for money, which obviously Sharon talks about a lot, uh, has helped me. She's been my mentor for years and years and years. Um, and as a personal brand, uh, it's very important as people are building those through books and speaking and podcasts and other things to make sure they have a plan to exit rich. Thank you, Mike. All right, Jake, what's the next question we have? Yes, our next question here is from Instagram. Uh, and that question is, uh, it's from Tori. The question is, I'm working in an environment with a lot of competitors. How do I stand out? And when I do stand out, what is the best way to show off my accomplishments? Yeah. So what you want to do competition wise is feel blessed that you have competition, because if you are the best at what you do with competition, they're paying to advertise, market and educate. They're paying your dummy tax. Those competitors are paying to educate and enlighten and raise the awareness of your space, your solution or service. And so what you want to do in a hyper competitive situation is to make yourself equal, then make yourself better. Too many people try to create separation, inferiority, superiority, make attacks, conditions and judgments on their competitors and they lose credibility. What you want to do is ask people what they're doing today what they like and what they don't like about it, and then associate, align what you can do equal to your competitors, and then allow to provide a quantitative articulation of what you do better. Make yourself equal, make yourself better, talk about what you can do, don't talk about what they can't do or attack your competitors, no judgments or condition or separation, don't create any resistance, don't lose credibility by lowering yourself, 
into that type of competition. Instead, feel blessed in a very hyper-competitive business that other people are educating the market, other people are paying the dummy tax, other people are raising awareness, other people are marketing for you, as long as you make yourself equal and you can articulate that quantitative value of the difference that you provide. I promise you the positive perspective will suit you extraordinarily well. When I was uh, working with Lee Steinberg, uh, the sports agent, and Kevin Plank uh, came in to us and uh, he wanted a, a small investment to start a company called Under Armour. And I just wasn't as enlightened uh, or as experienced. And uh, we just looked at him and said, are you kidding me? You're gonna compete with Nike? And uh, little do we know, uh, the history is all that we had to say. Another great uh, investment lesson, uh, competition educates the market, raises the awareness. And if you focus in on being the best, pursuing your potential, you actually have a huge advantage to be in a competitive market if you are able to articulate not only how you're equal, but how you are better. That's a terrific question. Thank you so much, Jake. What do we have next? Yes, thank you for that answer, Dave. We've got a question here on Clubhouse. Uh, Christina Madrigal, would you like to unmute yourself and ask a question? Hello, good morning, happy Friday. Thank you for calling on good me. Good morning. Um, hi, so uh, this is such a wonderful morning already. I started watching y'all this morning with Sharon Lecter and you started to say my question for the day, today, which was um, from Wayne Dyer, your thoughts about your purpose are your purpose. And I've heard you say this before because and I was all excited about today because it was BYOQ and that was my question. And you started your interview with Sharon Lecter saying that quote. So it's perfect. Would love to hear and understand what exactly do you mean by that? Your thoughts about your purpose are your purpose. And thank you so much. Oh, thank, thank you so much. Um, yeah, so many people are confused about purpose, passion, which then creates a resistance to profitability. And we're so in search of our purpose. You know, I want to do what I love. Well, Wayne Dyer had uh, told me years ago, the thoughts about my purpose are my purpose, meaning that the pursuit of my purpose is my purpose. And so that which I think about or believe is what I can achieve and that we need to learn what we do, learn to love what we do. Uh, and those thoughts about our purpose allow us to learn to love what we do, to give meaning to everything we see, just like Viktor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning, right? We are our purpose. If the thoughts about our purpose are our purpose, if it allows us to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of our potential, so many people think about purpose and then don't believe in that purpose. They cannot take the light, the love, and the lessons from the activity that they have planned, don't have planned, or the activity they get paid for or don't get paid for. You give meaning to everything you see. Therefore, the thoughts about and the meaning that those thoughts have is your purpose. The thoughts about your purpose is the meaning that you give to what you want. And that meaning can be controlled by your own mindset, your own heart set, and what you do. And so many people try to search for their purpose when the thoughts about your purpose are your purpose. Uh, hopefully it didn't break up too much, Christina. Hopefully that helped you. Let me know. That was perfect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day and much love to everybody in the room. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. Okay, next up, we've got a question here, Dave, from the Zoom virtual training. The question is, I often find myself looking to seek approval from others. How can I stop seeking approval from other people and just learn to love myself? 
Well, everything that we want to do is a practice. And that's one of the most difficult practices there is, is learning to love you. You need to learn to love yourself. Uh, if we seek approval of others, that means we are in fear of the opinion of others. And I'm on this big campaign right now to turn your foes to Joe's, right? The fear of missing out, make it the joy of missing out. The fear of other people's opinion, make it the joy of other people's opinion. And the best way to not have to be a pleaser, to not seek and search for other people's approval is to love ourselves, to find the meaning inside of us because we can't find outside of us what we can't find inside of us. Put yourself into the position of others. Nobody loves somebody that needs to be loved. We love people who are love. And if you are love, people will love you. And so let's focus in on finding the light, the love and the lessons inside ourselves. Being able to appreciate all the different things, the strengths and the weaknesses, realizing that all of our weaknesses put into a different place, a place of light, love and lessons turn into strengths. And there's so many extraordinary examples of this. I'm gonna share a quick story with everyone that I love about the CEO of SAP. Um, he was sitting there with a huge problem uh, they were faced in systems integration with a big opportunity to test software. The problem with testing software is that human beings don't like to do the same thing again and again and again all day long. But yet they need human beings to test software. And as he came home with this challenge, he was watching and his son has autism on the spectrum by all society's uh, opinions and judgments you know, being on the spectrum or having autism or Asperger's is, is a weakness uh, in the business world, in the school setting. And he's watching him and he's questioning, how am I going to deal with this business issue? I'm going to have to get four different employees that will then test the software an hour each and swap them out. And he's thinking of all the different solutions that he has. And all of a sudden he's watching his son. He realizes, wow, he loves to do the same thing again and again. That's what he loves. That is his love inside of him and he took that weakness and he hired thousands of people on the spectrum with asperger's autism giving them six-figure positions making millions of dollars for sap but also empowering taking a weakness and turning it into a strength allowing those people to feel passionate and purposeful and profitable in what they do the activity in the day instead of sitting there in the living room floor now testing software all day in the state of strength you can do that yourself find your weaknesses and move them to another place so you find the light the love and the lessons within you and everyone else will then see not only the light the love and the lessons in you but you will liberate them to shine their light their love and their lessons thank you very much for that question jake what's up next Okay, yeah, I'm going to quickly reset the room. This is the Breakfast with Champions, the 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern Time edition, uh, the BYOQ with David Meltzer. Dave is currently live on his Zoom training, uh, Instagram Live, LinkedIn, and, of course, Clubhouse. Dave's going to be taking questions here from Clubhouse, from Instagram, and Zoom as well. So feel free, if you want to ask a question, just flash your mic, and we will do our best to bring you up on Clubhouse. So next up, we've got a Clubhouse question. Uh, Gigi, if you can unmute your mic, we'd love for you to ask a question. Yeah. Hi, David. Hi, everyone. So my question is because, you know, people talk about purpose and passion and 
what I've learned from you uh, this in the last year is you need to inject purpose in what you do. And if you can explain more on that, because I often hear people talking about what's my purpose, what's my passion. And what I've learned from you is actually putting meaning into everything I do uh, and, you know, use my purpose like that. So what would be the best approach for people to do that, to inject purpose in what they do every day? Yeah, so what you need to do in order to find that purpose or to find and love what you're doing and learning to love what you do by injecting purpose into what you do is to, one, take inventory of your own skills, your own knowledge of not only what you know, but who you know. So many people leave out the most powerful of, to me, knowledge, which is the knowledge of others, being able to extend and expand my knowledge by understanding the situational knowledge of someone who sits in the situation that I want to be in, to be able to find that in itself of who those people are, to find the directions to get to where they are by just asking them. So not only know the skills and the knowledge, but also understand your desire. And if you can align, align your skills, knowledge, and desire with that activity that you have either in front of you, required to do, you want to do, or you don't want to do, right? But you should always, before you do something, want to do it, meaning you get to do it, not got to do it by finding, I always say, I don't do something until I can figure out how I can learn to love it. But you can put the purpose, inject the purpose into it by knowing and taking inventory of your skills, your knowledge, and your desire, aligning it with the activity that you get to do. Another example of this could be a really simple one. You know, I was traveling every night, calling my wife, talking to my family. I, you know, oh, I miss them. I can't wait to come home. And the minute I got home from an eight-day trip into Asia, my wife said, oh, can you go pick up my 13-year-old daughter? And my initial reaction was, are you kidding me? I got to go pick her up? And my wife almost fell over and said, oh, for the last eight days, all I've heard is you want to spend time with your family. You can't wait to see your family. And I'm giving you an opportunity to spend 30 minutes one-on-one with your 13-year-old daughter. And if anybody has a 13-year-old daughter, that is a very special time and not always easy to get. And I realized, wow, I get to do this. I don't have to go pick her up. I get to go pick her up. So even with some of the simple day-to-day things that we do, we can find the purpose by aligning our skills, our knowledge, and our desire. Even if it's as simple as having the skill and knowledge on where and how and who to pick up and the desire to understand that I want to spend 30 minutes alone with my child. So many people waste their lives by having the wrong mindset of injecting that purpose in the activity they get paid for. And also, as I just mentioned, the activity you don't get paid for. That's a great question. Thank you, Gigi, two of my favorite letters of the alphabet. Go ahead, Jake. Perfect. Thank you, Gigi. Next question we have, Dave, is from Lily from Zoom. And her question is, with in-person events ramping up again, what tip do you have for networking in person? Well, here's the magic template because I use the same one is number one, shift your energy before you go into an event in person. I use the 120 rule uh, when I am articulating quantitative value uh, to exceed what I'm asking for. I want to be able to articulate $100 of value to ask for 20, but I also do that energetically when I'm in person. 
So I go ahead and close my eyes and dream about handing $100 bills to everybody in the room at live events and asking for 20 back. I may have included in my presentation or my speech, uh, but I want to carry that 120 energy. I want to light up a room. I remember going to a family function, walking in, and my nephew, who hopefully adores me, but uh, looks right through me. And then my mom, you know, just doesn't even like lighten up, which is even more rare. So I walked out of the room. I did this 120 rule. I shifted my energy. I dreamed about giving everybody in the room $100, getting 20 back putting in my heart, my soul, you know, from cell to soul, C-E-L-L to soul, that energy walking back in. My nephew ran up, gave me a big hug. My mom whipped around, was so excited to see me. So number one, you need to put your cell to soul in an energetic space that you are lighting up a room energetically. Then you need to look people in the eyes. You need to smile. You need to shake hand and hug, whatever it is that you're comfortable with. And then you need to ask people an opening question. And if you're not good at it, have it prepared. And it could be as simple as, how are you? Where are you from? Is this your first time here? Whatever it is, some open-ended question that gets people to talk and then be able to communicate with them. What do you like about this? And then say, what don't you like about this? Which creates an emotional attachment. You can use humor. You know, one of the key things, I'm a sports person. So I love looking for sports paraphernalia, apparel, something that I can tease about. So for example, if I see anyone with a Dodger hat on, because I live in Southern California and I'm a Padres fan, which is torture, but I am. If I see someone with a Dodger hat on, I have my classic one-liner that makes my wife roll her eyes because she's heard it a million times, but it's, oh, did you buy that hat on sale? And I see a lot of people here pumping up the Dodgers. Uh, They got no hit last night and have lost four in a row. So it's been a good week for me. Uh, But anyway, have those prepared one-liners, right? And be able to connect emotionally by finding out what people like and what they don't like. And when you find out what they don't like, it gives you an opportunity to ask in person, would it help you if? Go ahead, write that down. It's a powerful transition. Would it help you if I did this? And then finally, when you're asking the would it help you if questions, then it prepares you to be able to say, do you know anyone that could help me? That then categorizes everybody as a sponsor or a power sponsor. A sponsor is someone that knows someone to help you. A power sponsor is someone that can help you themselves and knows someone that can help you. If you align your energy, if you use your eyes and your smile and your own open-ended question to ascertain what they like and what they don't like, you then can use the transitions of, hey, would it help you if and Do you know anyone that could help me? If you use that template, which I'd be happy to send to everyone, uh, david at dmeltzer.com, no problem. This is a template that I use, I practice, and it has the energetic and the knowledge that you need and the exact words. So it's not just what we think, but it's what we say and do that allows us to network effectively. Remember, most people, even in person, have at least a thousand people in their network. So if you can figure out how to leverage your network by asking them, would it help you if, and leverage their network by asking them, do you know anyone that can help me? We will create a flow. And that flow, remember, 
Water itself goes bad when it's stagnant. Let's get the water moving. Let's get the energy moving the same exact way as water. Let's put it in the flow by asking how we could be of service. And do you know anyone that could be of service to us? Thank you so much. Do that also, not just in person, but on the phone, email, traditional media, and social media. Go ahead, Jakey. Thank you, Dave. The next question we have is from Zoom, and it's about mentors. So how do you pick your mentors and then ask them for help? Yeah, this is Dave Meltzer 101. So, you know, mentorship changed my life. People ask me all the time, how the hell do you lose $100 million? I would say, you know, I'm trying to empower over a billion people. I lost over $100 million. And the way I asked it is I did ask for help. I didn't understand radical humility. Two words that sit on my nightstand, sit on my computer in everywhere I see those two words, radical humility, understanding I don't know what I don't know. Understanding that the best way to get to where I want to be is to find someone in the situation that I want to be in and ask them for directions. And we can have, I have a minimum of three mentors at all time. I have a sleep mentor, for example, because sleep such a crucial role. I travel so much, starting to travel again. I have, uh, you know, a, a sleep mentor who teaches me about light and food and all the different aspects of how to utilize sleep and travel and time zones and other things that can be uh, detrimental or create interference between me and my potential. I have mentors for investment. I have mentors for, you know, my own psych, uh, psychology of, of trauma that I face. The best way to find a mentor is to find the expert, someone who sits in the best position to represent where you want to be and ask them for help. It pay them if it has a quantitative value to exceed what you're asking for and ask for help. Uh, you know, it, it's a, it's the most important thing uh, that I do. People ask me all the time, what would you tell your 18 year old self? Same thing I tell myself this morning when I wake up, my first prayer is may God put more than 10 people in front of me that I can help. And may he beat more than put more than 10 people in front of me that can help me. It's a beautiful thing. We are actually allowing people to find their own light by helping us. We are giving by asking for help. We are extraordinarily finding the power within other people by asking for their help. Everybody feels good when you ask for help. Everyone does. You are telling them and reaffirming of their value to you. In other words, appreciation. When you ask other people for help, you are asking them to add value. Whatever we add value, if your car appreciates, your house appreciates, it adds value, let other people appreciate and allow yourself to appreciate by asking for help and by being of service and value to others. So please practice, practice, practice radical humility. Thank you for that, Dave. Uh, next up, we've got the one and only Laura wild here to ask her question laura if you can unmute yourself that would be great the one and only the one and only good morning america oh my gosh okay first of all i want to say it publicly that one that the first time i heard glenn lundy i thought he sounds like my friend david Meltzer. and so it's a little twilight zoney for me to have glenn lundy and david Meltzer here people who now i i knew dave in real life before and now i know glenn so I love the twins' I, I, voices. <laughs> Dave, what we need to do is I'm going to log into your account. You log into mine, and we'll come in here and see if people can. Yes, <laughs> please. You know, what, you, know, you know what else I like, too? I, I fall asleep early, Glenn, sometimes on the road, 
So like sometimes if I'm gonna go to bed early, I'm gonna have you call my wife and like just tell her good night, I love you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, because Glenn, I was gonna say Glenn's probably really good at stuff like that, just like you are, David, because you guys are both such wonderful fathers and husbands. So I'm really blessed I get to know you. So Dave, I have a question. So you know, I work with NBA athletes and I worked with the LA Clippers for a couple of years, got a really strong foundation going with them that I still get to watch with delight, you know, because I still work with some people. And what I noticed is as I look to get a job again with the new NBA team, people talk about mental performance. And this is a big issue on Clubhouse. Mental wellness is really important. This matters. Yet I noticed that the game is, they talk a big game, right? And so I'm trying to figure out, and maybe this will help someone else as well, uh, that do I need to do storytelling? Because a lot of these guys I'm connecting with and a lot of my network are really wealthy men, powerful people. And there's, it's hard for me to serve them. I work really hard at finding ways to add value. And then it just seems like, and maybe that's just the industry, right? The give back, you know, the promises, I'm going to take you with me whenever I get the next job. And then they don't. So do you have a, uh, any advice for me in this sort of interesting spot where I'm trying to share with people the benefits of what I do? also who are people that may not understand the value? Yeah, so this happens a lot, right? Especially in the sports world. Obviously, both both of us have been in there a long time. And go Clippers, they were awesome last night, by the way. Um, <laughs> you, you know, it's really, it, it's really interesting because, you know, I think this go, no, go plan that I have, uh, the go, no, go plan that I talk about um, is a way that we manage relationships. So when someone tells me, hey, you know, I'm going to, take you with me, especially someone that has a lot of opportunity, high net wealth individuals and high access individuals. Uh, Cause it's one thing to have a lot of money, but it's another to have a lot of money and access to everything. Uh, and so what we want to do is actually create a go, no go plan. And I'll even put it in writing, you know, and I, I tell people all the time, I put things in writing so that I can remember what I promise. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times with the guys that, that tell me, uh, and, and I'm blessed, right? Like Meta and Baron, and those guys were guys who obviously have a lot of money and have a lot of access. Actually, I put it into an email to them. And I just said, hey, here's the kind of the go, no-go plan. As you move on, I'd like to participate in these type of things and hear and tell me what's the best way that we can communicate. So one is don't be afraid to actually put it into writing when people make commitments to us. And I do that, by the way, with referral agreements, uh, which is one thing that I'm teaching a lot of right now is so many people out there have left so much money on the table because they make introductions and they don't get anything for it. Millions and millions, billions and trillions of dollars. But me personally, I guarantee I've left millions and millions of dollars on the table from people who would gladly have given me my cut if I just would have put it in writing and asked. And so I utilize that with a referral agreement so when people say hey look you know i'd love you know to make introductions for you would you mind me giving me 10 percent uh, for that introduction or 20 percent if i'm the procuring cause and would you mind if i send over an agreement to you not because i don't trust you but i love to document what i promise to do what others promise to do does that sound fair i do the same thing in these relationships um, sometimes less formal than that, sometimes more formal than that, determinative upon how tight that relationship is, because believe it or not, and, and 
as my brand has grown, probably because I sound like Glenn Lundy, you know, it's kind of like that girl uh, on the internet that looks like yeah. another girl on TikTok. And then all of a sudden the biometrics are picking it up. That's probably why the brand grew so much. Uh, but it's amazing how many people I don't help that I want to because I forget. Like literally, and I'll put everyone into this mindset. How many times have you had a real estate deal and you needed to find an agent and you forgot who you know, your close friend was that was an agent or you forgot your friend that did this and we forget. It's amazing when we have documentation and reminders or we ask frequently, hey, I just wanted to check in to see if there's any way you could help. I'm looking to do this. I, hey, I was just checking in. You remember when we were talking about me helping you with your mindset, obviously through the transition or your new team or your new opportunity or the entrepreneurship or your personal relationships I saw. I just wanted to remind you remember, recollect what we talked about, what we promised each other. And look, I know you, Laura, like people love you. And we got to make sure we remind, recollect and remember that love, that connection that you have. And don't be afraid to one, put it into a document and two, continually communicate what people promised. Because 99% of the time, as I know from myself, that it's a matter of I forgot more than I didn't want to do. And, you know, that squeaky wheel or the person who's most present is the one who gets my presence. Uh, and I think that's true with my own children sometimes. You know, I have my oldest never asked for anything and she's so, and she misses out because, you know, the middle ones are just so boisterous about what they want uh, and they get more. And I want you to be a middle child. I want you to get more because what you do is so powerful. You could not have a bigger fan and I'm, opening this up to you, Laura, ask me, you know, if I, every week to say, Dave, this is what I'm looking for. Could you help me? Because like I said, I adore you. I love you. I would do anything to help you. You just have to remind me, recollect and remember how much I love you and how much I want to help you. Does that sound fair? Wow. Okay. David Meltzer, that sounds beyond fair. It sounds magical. And I'm doing that. I'm making a note in my calendar and I took some great notes about what you said. And I can just really see exactly where I've been kind of not on path with doing it this way. So go, no, go. And I love you. Thank you so much. And thanks, Jakey, for the opportunity. And thanks, Glenn Lundy, for being the voice twin so that, you know, David Meltzer could find you out of all the human beings in the, on the earth for us to all be on the same stage on this breakfast table. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, when, when I coach Glenn, it's like coaching myself because I get like an answer back from Glenn. I'm like, how am I talking to myself? You're like, it's like, echoing. Is this echoing? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Oh, I love Glenn too. And uh, I'm teaching him to ask for help. Anyone that wants the go, no go template that I have, email me. I just look in my bio for my contact or Jay can give it, but please, it's a, these templates that I have just, they're so simple. Memorize them. They've been working for 30 some years for me. Please just take them. They're free. I want everyone to make money, help people and have fun. Amazing. Thank you, Dave. And yeah, Dave mentioned his uh, information is in his bio, but his email is david at dmeltzer.com. That's david at dmeltzer.com. Thank you again, Laura, for joining. All right, Dave, next up, we've got Seth from Instagram. And his question is, I have problems staying focused during conversations. Do you have any tips on how I can stay more focused and be more engaged when I'm conversating with people? I love the focus conversation. I love the focus topic because I don't believe in focus. I don't believe in multitasking. I believe and have been taught 
you can only focus in on one thing at a time. So if you're having difficulty focusing in on a conversation with somebody else, you have a refocus problem. See, you have a refocus problem, not a focus problem. What's happening is, is that you're focusing and then you're focusing on something else because we can only focus in on one thing and you aren't capable of refocusing. So what I do is I practice refocusing. So I'll always keep my phone open. I mean, that's why I have this multitasking webinar, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Clubhouse thing going because I have practiced for so many years refocusing, being able to focus on one thing, jet over to focus on another, gather enough data to understand what's going on over there, and then refocus back onto the conversation that we're having. And what's happening is that the speed of thought moves faster than the speed of light. Because remember in the frequency or vibrational spectrum that everything vibrates, the earth, the plants, animals, humans, sound, light, and then thought, the truth vibrating the fastest of all thoughts. But we only can be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than us. So we want to increase our vibration or frequency in order to raise our awareness. But remember in that spectrum that the speed of thought is higher than the speed of light. Time is based off of the speed of light. There Therefore, it appears as if you're multitasking, if you can practice refocusing from one thing to another, gathering enough data when you focus on each individual thing back and forth by refocusing, it appears as if you are multitasking, doing multiple things at one time. In fact, have you ever seen one of those guys on a high wire that is juggling and chewing bubble gum and do, like spinning something? Like they're the masters of refocus. The masters, how are they doing that? All those things at one time. No, they're not doing them all at one time. They're mastering physics because they have practiced the refocus. And you can practice so easy today. Leave your email, your texts, whatever, open while you're having conversations and see how quickly you can go back and forth and how much data you can pick up from each of the individual tasks that you're focusing on. Knowing that you only can focus on one thing at a time, you're just getting better and better at refocusing. And if you do that in conversations, which is the easiest one to practice, oh boy, your productivity goes up. Your accessibility goes up, not only accessing other people, but accessing what you want. And believe it or not, your gratitude goes up because you can find light, love and lessons and more things at one time because you're actually bending time when you understand refocus that the speed of thought moves faster than the speed of light. And remember always why we enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential is because the thought that vibrates the fastest, the fastest vibrating thing on earth, the greatest awareness that we could have is the truth or your potential, the truth. And that's why we enjoy that consistent every day, persistent without quit pursuit of your truth, what you want, not what other people want, not what's missing, not what you don't want, but what you want, your truth, your potential. Thank you so much. You got me fired up on the refocus. Perfect. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, I'm fired up also. Okay. We've got next up, uh, Kelsey Stark. If you want to uh, ask your question in Clubhouse, we'll be right back. We've got a quick question in Zoom, Dave, from Jesus. Uh, his question is, talking about focusing, but how do you manage all the lessons you have during the, the, during the week? Do you write them down? I love these pragmatic questions. And uh, Jake, uh, you got to get a little more sincere with your excitement because if that's exciting voice, man, I, I'd be afraid to see what your boring voice is. All right. Anyway, just kidding. <laughs> um, yes, I have a repository. A repository is a bank. 
and I am always codifying lessons and then recirculating and revisiting the lessons to create stories, my own personal stories. I look up stories, do research about other stories that best teach that lesson, or I have an amalgamation and make up a story. And what makes that so great is the best way since the history of time, since the Sanskrit, the best way to teach lessons and life is only about lessons and the lessons will keep on coming till we learn them and they result in pain if we haven't learned them pain is the indicator that we have a lesson to learn and more importantly we'll forget every lesson we ever learned but we have the power to access those lessons that's why i reposit the lessons into a bank and that's why i create stories around the lessons because the way that our minds work we can remember recollect remind the oneness of these stories in lessons by telling the stories. And the cool thing is, is that the stories change. It's not that I'm lying or over-exaggerating or manipulating my stories. It's that the stories change in my mind either because I remember them differently or I remember more about the stories than I did before. Or I just change the story to align better with the lesson I'm trying to teach because the ultimate purpose of my stories is to share a lesson to help other people be productive, accessible, and gracious, to allow other people to share in my gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration. And so if you are not repositorying, rep, repositing your lesson, if you're not creating a lesson bank, and then going back and creating stories in order to effectuate those lessons, in order to articulate those lessons, which may help you in business if you're also able to transcend the articulation into a quantitative value to exceed what you're asking for, the ultimate mathematical equation of success in business. Those who can articulate value greater than what they're asking for will have a tremendous exponential success economically. Proven because you're able and capable of asking the ultimate closing question when you are able to articulate that quantitative value greater than what you're asking for, do you see any reason you wouldn't want to move forward? If you can ask yourself or others, can you see any reason why you won't want to move forward? You are capable of articulating the quantitative value to exceed what you're asking for. You have created the repository of lessons that you've learned and circled back and built the best stories around those lessons in order to articulate that. Terrific point, terrific question. Thank you so much, Jake. Go ahead, align with my powerful energy. Let's hear you excited now. Don't force it. Be authentic about how excited you are to be here. I know you are. So excited. All right, let's go, Dave. How does that sound? Woo! Woo! Okay, Woo! yeah, happy Friday. We're here in the Breakfast with Champions at the 6 a.m. edition, 9 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern time uh, with the BYOQ with David Meltzer here. Uh, we've got 10 minutes left taking questions from Zoom, Instagram, LinkedIn, and of course on Clubhouse. So next up, we're going to take a question here on Clubhouse. I know, Debbie, uh, you were going back and forth with your mic or Naida. If either of you want to unmute yourself and ask your question, please feel free. I'll, I'll jump in. I hope I'm the right Debbie. Uh, David, I met you through Roger Brooks when he, I was interviewed by American Real. He was, Amer he interviewed you by American Real and I was so completely impressed by you. Um, you were giving away a free book at that time and I thought, I'm going to take advantage of it. I never have done that before. I got the book, loved, loved, loved the book and made more of a contribution to your foundation than I ever would have given to pay for a book. So I wanted to ask you, I have a feeling because of the way that you speak, 
that this is something that you found in life that by giving first, you always reap greater rewards. Could you address? I would love to. Um, so I was taught when I was young, the more I give, the more I receive. And it's a beautiful sentiment, but it's a scarce sentiment. And it confused me, especially when I lived in the world of just enough for me with the false facade of being philanthropic and a humanitarian, uh, always giving to receive as a trade or a negotiation, not in an unconditional way. And what I found is that if I focus in on my intent, on my intent to receive, to give. So my intention shifted from I give to receive, which was a trade and negotiation based on scarcity, which caused me to create resistance, voids and shortages and not focus in on the most important thing, which is receiving. See, receiving is the most important thing because we can't give what we don't receive. We can't give what we don't have. And as long as we continue to blend our intention of being of service of value, of being abundant, of learning that we live in a world of more than enough of everything for everyone, and not in the world of quid pro quo, trade negotiation and scarcity, or even worse, a world of not enough of being a victim and not having anything and just everything happening to me. But this world of abundance is reliant on two components. One, I am worthy of everything I receive and it's limitlessness and infinity of what I should and will receive so I can give it away. In other words, I make a lot of money to help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. I want to receive as much as I can, billions and billions of dollars so I can give it all away, but add my appreciation to that. See, everything I receive only gets better when I add my appreciation to it and then give it away. So I think that although in theory, the more I give, the more I receive is true, that is much more pragmatic and profitable for everyone to focus strictly on, I want to receive as much as I can so I can add my appreciation to it and give it away. And when you do that, you have created a void for the universe to fill and the universe is exact and abundant. And that is the power of expansion. That's what creates the vacuum. So if you imagine a pool with sides that are stagnant and it's full of water and from your ability and intention and attention to receive, it pushes out the sides or the walls of the pool. Well, you can tell the water creates a vacuum. And if you put your attention and intention on what you want for others to come through you, it's going to keep filling up exactly with what you have attention and intention to. In fact, that's the mathematical equation of luck. What I pay attention to, what I give intention to equals those coincidences of what I'm filling my pool with. And my job is to expand the sides of the pool so the vacuum becomes greater and receives even more. So what? I can fill the pool for others so everybody can swim. Please, you know, think about shifting the paradigm in your life. Don't completely, uh, you know, throw away the baby with the bathwater about the idea of giving, but maybe shift your paradigm to realize I can't give what I don't have. And I'm spending too much time worrying about others without receiving myself. And I'm actually hurting others because I'm incapable of taking care of myself because I can't give what I don't receive. My mom is a beautiful soul. My mom is my hero. My mom has sacrificed 
more than I can even imagine for her children. She is my mentor for being a parent. Uh, my siblings are hyper fulfilled, passionate, purposeful, and profitable people. They're beautiful souls as well. But the one thing I couldn't understand about my mom is that although she wanted to give her life away, she limited what she could give because she was always concerned about giving it away and not receiving. She felt guilty, resentful, offended about receiving. You need to get solid in receiving and ask the universe what, what already is yours. You are healthy. You are wealthy. You are worthy. You are happy. Now, appreciate it and give it away. Ask for more, ask bigger, ask more often. Sorry for ranting and raving, but this is a big one for me. That shift of receiving to give compared to giving to receive has changed my life. It's part of my mission to help other people as well, to empower others, to empower others, to be happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. Thank you so much, Deborah. I really appreciate that question. Thank you for your tremendous sincerity, David. You're just one of my role models. I oh, thank you. Thank you, Debbie. Dave, we've got five minutes here, uh, and we've got a really special guest that just joined the clubhouse, Jason Waller. Uh, Jason, if you want to unmute yourself, uh, he's the CEO of Power Home Solar. Maybe uh, give a quick comment and ask Dave a question. Uh, if you're available, that'd be great. No, thank you, Jake. And, and David, obviously, you're a huge inspiration. You're my mentor and CEO coach, so I love you to death. But last night, you said something great to the team, because we're here together at Myrtle Beach, and you said that pursuit of happiness, that happiness is actually the pursuit. Why don't you elaborate that today on Clubhouse for everybody? Because I thought that was great. Oh, thanks, Jason. And what a tremendous job. Uh, if anyone's not following Jason Waller, not following the person next to you, uh, he has from nothing, from a trailer park, uh, CEO of a billion dollar company, and there will be a, a hundreds of billions of dollars a company. Uh, he's an intelligent follower which makes him a great leader. But I was saying a story about Chris Gardner. Uh, Chris Gardner wrote a book called The Pursuit of Happiness, and they made it into a movie uh, with Will Smith. And it's, you know, his cornerstone of his life, this movie and, and book. And I kind of threw Chris back. He's a, he's a mentor of mine early on. Uh, we did several business deals together as well. But I threw him back in a meeting one time. I said, Chris Gardner wrote one of the best books and best movies I've ever seen, but he got the title wrong. And everybody got to look back, right? And they're like, what do you mean he got the title wrong? I love pursuit of happiness. I'm like, it's wrong. There is no pursuit of happiness. If you attach your emotions, if you pursue an end of happiness and not realize you already are happy when you are pursuing, because pursuing consistently and persistently every day without quit, pursuing is happiness. So he should have titled the book, Happiness is the Pursuit. Uh, and we forget that we attach our emotions to an outcome and we're pursuing something that we're never going to get because we already have it. And if we realize that we already have the capability, the skills, knowledge, and desire to pursue our potential, to pursue the truth, knowing that it's progress, not perfection, that we're never going to get there. When we attach our emotions to something that we think is going to make us happy because the universe is limitless and, is in, and works within infinity, <laughs> there's always more. You're never going to be happy. I'm going to be happy when I get married. I'm going to be happy when I have kids. I'm going to be happy when I graduate. I'm going to be happy when I get my job. I'll be happy when I make a million dollars. No, you won't because there's more. But if you learn to love what you do, if you learn to love the pursuit the enjoyment of and the consistent, persistent behavior of you'll always be happy because you will clear and use your free will to clear all interference 
of the ego, the separations that occur when you attach your emotions to an outcome, to your happiness, you will be able to clear the interference between you and what you already are, happy. And when you realize that, when you understand the oneness that exists and only spend minutes and moments in ego-based consciousness, minutes and moments interfering with your health, your happiness, your worthiness, and your wealth, when you realize that you do have a free will, and that free will is to utilize pursuit, not attachment, to utilize the truth, not ego, edging goodness out, E-G-O, edging gold out of your life, creating interference between you and what you already are, you will realize you are happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. I want to thank Jason Waller for the opportunity to, to speak to his team and his company and to mentor him. Uh, he is an intelligent follower. All of us are intelligent followers here. We won't be here. I want to thank Glenn Lundy for providing me an opportunity every Friday at 6 a.m. to allow me to simulcast this to thousands and thousands of people. Uh, we are empowering others to empower others to be happy, to make a lot of money, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun. I love this clubhouse. It is the breakfast with champions. I am humbled to be here. I especially want to thank the famous Jakey Bakey. He is amazing. I thank you for allowing me to tease you about your energy. It's hard enough to get a 20-something-year-old up at 5 a.m., but you were there even earlier. I'm uh, just so grateful to have you as well. All right, it's 10 a.m. on the dot here on the East Coast. Thank you, everyone. Glenn Lundy with the same voice as me. Take it over. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode in any way or found any value, screenshot it, share it, however you like. My only ask is you help me empower others to empower others to be happy.